understand that you might find beneficial. If you count yourself as a visitor, we'd like to welcome you back here anytime that you have opportunity to worship with us here at Anna Street. This morning I'm going to continue our series that we've been doing over the past couple weeks uh, on the Old Testament stories, and I, for one, have really enjoyed this. And now I get to talk about one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. It was always, whenever I was young, this was always the story that was in the front of the picture Bible. Uh, my dad bought us a picture Bible. This was the first story that was in it. I don't know why, but it's not the first story that's in the Bible. But it's a very popular story. And it happens in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and it's the story of David versus Goliath. This story has stood the test of time. We even use it today in our modern culture. But what do we think about it in modern culture? What does the world, what does America think about David Goliath? We might think about to a couple years ago when the Mavericks were playing the Heat. That was a David Goliath story. They had three All-Stars on the team. We had one. That was David versus Goliath. The announcer said it over and over again. This is a David versus Goliath matchup. The Mavericks have no chance of beating the Heat. Mike's favorite one. The first non-BCS team to ever reach a BCS Bowl. Boise State beating Oklahoma. That was impossible. They did it by one point. I'm sure Mike wasn't happy about it. He sure wasn't happy about it whenever I sent the PowerPoint over because I was going to be using this in the sermon this morning. That was David versus Goliath. It can't happen, but it happened. This next one even has it in the promo. David versus Goliath. David versus Valleyweb. Now, for you that don't know that, that's a very obscure fight. But the reason that fight is important the WBA has no super heavyweight division. And their heavyweight starts out about 250. So you can be a 250-pound man and there was over a 300-pound guy to be fighting. That's David versus Goliath. The little guy had no chance, but he won that fight. And then we have the NCAA tournament. We hear about it all year long, the NCAA tournament. David versus Goliath. This year it was all the 12s beating five seeds. But in this particular year in 1966, Texas Western, a small college in El Paso that later became UTEP, beat the University of Kentucky for the first time using five all-black players. And the media at that time said black players can't play with white athletes. This is David versus Goliath. They have no shot. But they won. What the sad part is, though, is when you say David and Goliath in our society today, it's not, well, we can go back to the Bible and look at that. It's, who's playing who today? What underdogs playing the big dogs today? That's the first thing that pops into our mind. What sports events going on today that I, that, that I don't know about? Well, today we're going to look at the original David versus Goliath in the Bible. And it was more than just the guy that shouldn't have won. Going up against the guy that was unbeatable. It was more than just a story about that. There was a lot in that story. And the, I think the sad part is today, all we think about is, well, it's a big guy and a little guy and a little guy won. And I think that's sad because there's so much more to the story than that. And, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 1. Dusty talked to us last week about Samson and how he was the beginning of this ongoing battle. 
17, the battle is continuing. And, and now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shaka, which is belonged to Judah. It fits between Shaka and Ezekiel, and Ephesus and Dom. Sorry about that, those words. I've worked on those words, I've worked on those words, but those are not. I can't get my tongue to do that. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. So the Philistines come into this land that was Judah's land. And Saul goes out to meet him with his army. And in this land, there's a mountain on this side, and that's where the Philistines were, and a mountain on this side, and that's where Israel was. And they're in the valley in the middle, and they were getting ready to do battle. But then also in 1 Samuel, the next verses, we can meet a man by the name of Goliath. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the st- staff of the spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear had weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. Now here we get a description of Goliath for the first time. The Bible says that it was six cubits in a span. Well, in today's vernacular, that would be nine feet, six inches. Here's a big dude. We think about tall guys today. You know, Dirk Nowitzki was seven feet tall. That's two feet, six inches shorter than Goliath was. And Two Tall Jones, his name is Too Tall in his name. He was only six nine. The tallest modern man recorded that I could find was eight feet, eleven inches. There's no way that came close to the last size that I found while doing this research. Not only that, his coat of mail, which was the weight of 5,000 shekels of brass, that's 150 pounds. Now, whenever I was in high school and we were working out, we would have this weight thing that we put on our chests, and you could put lead weights in them. Now, the most we could get in there was 60 pounds. And most of us couldn't work out with that, so we had went down to around 30 or 40. Now, this guy had a, a coat of mail that weighed as much as I did when I was a freshman in high school that he carried around at all times like it was clothes. That's a strong guy. And they said that his spear was like a weaver's beam. Have you ever seen the weavers that have those long beams while they're weaving the blankets? That's what his spear looked like. It was just, I mean, two men would have to hold it. And his spear, the head of his spear weighed 15 pounds. 15 pounds just for that spearhead. You know, the average spearhead of the day back then, as I looked it up, only weighed roughly around 5 or 6 pounds. The average one. And this guy was almost double that. Over double that. This is a big, strong guy. Now, Goliath had something he wanted to say to Israel. He came out, and he stood before him, and he said, I want you to send me a warrior to fight me. I want, your, I want a warrior to come out and fight me. And if I defeat him, you will be our servants. And if he defeats me, we will be your servants. 
six-inch cow come out here, and I want to fight whoever wins. The other one's got to be the servant. I don't think there's many people getting the line to take that challenge. They were scared. They go, we don't want to fight this guy. There's no way we can win. He's nine feet, six inches tall. This spear weighs more than my sword. I don't want to fight this guy. took it 
chopped musket today. He's not going to do much damage with five rocks and a sling in most cases against a guy with a spear and a sword that's that much bigger than he is and that much better a warrior than he is. That's just not, that just doesn't add up. And that's what David does. He goes down and finds the rocks and a sling, and that's what he's going to go fight Goliath with. But then we get to the time where David goes in front of Goliath. And Goliath kind of thought it was funny at first. He goes, what am I, a dog that you come at me with staves? This guy's not even wearing armor. He's coming at me with sticks. Not only that, he's a, he's a kid. This kid can't be serious. Well, then we get down to the verse that is on the front of your handouts this morning. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and with javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He goes, Yeah, you may come to me with all your armor, but I come to you with a stronger power. I come to you with the God, the living God of Israel, whom you defied, Goliath. That's who I come to you with. Let's see if you can be God. But you might be able to meet a little boy with a sling and rocks, but I don't think you can take the mighty God, Goliath. He goes on later and say, I will defeat you. And God goes, no, you won't. I'm going to leave your carcass out there for the birds to eat after I get through with you. And they said, no, you're not going to do that. I'm going to take your head from you and then the bird will feed on your carcass. Go out. How about that? If I'm going to do this that you may know there is a living God in Israel. He didn't say anything about how great he was going to be. That I'm going to do this through the living God of Israel that you may know he exists. When we get to the actual fight, it didn't take long. David basically ran out of took one stone, slung it, came right between the eyes and the middle of the forehead. And the giant fell. And David ran up to him, but he didn't have the sword to fulfill that promise. So he took the last own sword. I imagine he had to use both hands, and I imagine that was a pretty big sword. He raised it up over his head and cut off the head of the giant. He did exactly what he said he was going to do through the God that he believed so much in. Now, when you look at this story, what kind of faith does that take to go out to fix a giant with nothing but a rock and a sling? I... Say to you today, it takes a great amount of faith. Probably about the same amount of faith it takes to go into a lion's den and come out with a sheep. David had the faith. There is no question about that. He had faith enough to stand before a giant that nobody could, that nobody thought they could conquer with nothing but a rock and a sling. While he was there with his javelin, his shield, his spear, his sword, all the brass he wore. You know what? David should not have won that battle. Just looking at that on paper, that battle, should, David should not have won that battle. That should have been a loss. Anybody looking at it from a distance, even the Israelites were like, this can't be going. This, this, this isn't going to be any good for us. We're going to end up being these guys' service because this little kid's going out there nothing but a sling to face the giant Goliath who's been a warrior since he was a kid's age. 
saying on what's on the paper. Just because the, the hand is not the foot, is it not of the body? No, it's the 
In our society today, we are so driven by the majority decision. Whatever the majority thinks has to be right. You know, we all have majority vote rules. God has never been concerned with the majority. In Noah's time, eight souls in the whole world were saved because they did what God wanted them to do. Eight. During the Exodus,
make yourself it'll be a thing that eases your conscience. Because, well, I really want that job, but there's no church here, so I'm just going to start one. And that'll ease my conscience. Make sure God's the type top priority in where you go every day. If where you can't go, you can't take God, you don't need to be there. Plain and simple. If you cannot take God where you're going, you do not need to be there. And finally, if you go with God, even when you're taking that stand, you're not alone. I believe David knew this first. I'm about to quote before he was there with God. If God be for us, who can stand against us? If God is with you, who has the power to stand against you? Even if they're threatening to take your life, fear not him who can take your body, but can take your body and soul of hell. That's who we fear. And that's who we go with. Knowing that no matter whatever we face, if we take God with us, we have a chance. Not only a chance, the best chance of the world. We can be out there armed with the rock and the sling in front of the giant, and God will take care of his part. We serve an awesome God that will do that. But we have got to keep these things in mind. We've got to know that God can use anyone. We need to be ourselves. We need to use the talents God gave us. We have to be willing to put in the work do our part and know that God will do His. We might have to take a stand 